You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. And today we are joining you from the Connecticut Library Association Annual Conference over in Groton, Connecticut. So Bob and I braved the seas and went across Long Island Sound to... Uh, come to Connecticut. So we're going to be interviewing some great people talking about technology and how it affects our mental health and probably a whole bunch of other things. So when we come back in our first segment, we'll have some great guests. And just so everybody knows, we are doing this live in front of an audience who is eating lunch. So there will be a little bit of background noise and clicking and clanking of glasses. It's going to sound like Carol Ann's intro to our podcast, Top right. Shelf America Library. Okay, so we'll be back in just a minute with our first segment. Hi, so we are here at the Connecticut Library Association Conference in Groton, and we are here with Doug Lord. Doug, tell us what library you're from. I am with the C.H. Booth Library in scenic Newtown, Connecticut. Cool. So we're here at the conference talking about, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about technology. We're also talking about our mental health and mental well-being. So it's one of those things where Bob just did a really good intro for everybody sitting here having lunch, talking about you have all these things going on at work, but yet you have things going on at home. You have things going on with your parents or maybe things going on with your kids. And it's always a pressure cooker, depending on what's happening. And sometimes technology can either help that or hurt that. So we wanted to sit here and share some of our thoughts and and share your thoughts, too, about how this is going for you. Because obviously you're here dealing with the conference, which was a whole other layer of stress and anxiety, I'm sure. Stress and strain and all that (laughs) stuff. Yeah, the work-life balance is, I don't know, I think librarians are so concerned with their patrons, with everybody else, you know, with their administration, with their worker bees, with their buildings, that it's almost impossible to take care of oneself, to give the right amount of time to self-care, to really check out and think about yourself. It's it's endemic to the profession. We care too much. And that's really part of it. So, like, librarians are a special breed of people. They're people who, they're there. And it's almost a hospitality industry where you're helping people and you build relationships with people. You know, the the patrons who come into your building and your coworkers. And maybe you have not so good relationships with some of your coworkers. And some of them may cause you stress. And others may alleviate your stress because maybe you go out to lunch with them or you sit and chit-chat. Or maybe you vent about Mm -hmm. that person that isn't doing their job the way they're supposed to be doing. And maybe they make a ton more money than you. Mm-hmm. So just in terms of the work environment, it can be stressful and you have to almost compartmentalize mm-hmm. what you're thinking about and what you're doing at work and not think about, well, that person's been sitting at their desk all day playing video games right. or watching videos yeah. and I'm here doing his job and this person's job and that person, and this person's job and her job. And it can be burdensome. Yeah, for sure. The interconnectedness can certainly work against you. There are small jobs in libraries as well as big jobs, but everybody has a job to do. And if you don't do yours, then I can't do mine. And then Bob can't do his and Chris can't do his. And the, I think that 
I don't want to say the deciding factor, but another factor is maybe Bob needs a day to watch videos at work. Maybe he needs a chill day. And that can sometimes be okay. To to communicate that clearly is is burdensome and can be very touchy because you're getting into things in the professional work environment that maybe you don't want to share or maybe you don't need to. So mental health days, you know, it's an unwritten type of, you know, you can take a quote-unquote sick day, mm-hmm. but I think mental health days are, are real. And, you know, when my people take them, I say, okay, good, keep the phone away from you. Don't check in yeah. at work. Don't pick up the phone. Don't answer the texts. Don't do it. This is a day for you to take. This is your time. And as Chris and I know, sometimes they don't they don't really respect that. Yeah. You know, no. if you're at home if you're at home and you're the only person that has an answer, like I've watched yeah. Chris pick up his phone a dozen times today to try and answer a question from his job yep. because he's the only one that really knows the answer. Or maybe he's the only one that has the access or right. the password yeah, right. or knows who did this thing four years ago. Yeah. And that's all well and good. But, like, it has its hole, and it is important to be upfront and to recognize that. Right. There's a lot of mental load involved with that. Well, think about this, too. So this is something I was a part-timer for a really long time. I was a stay-at-home dad, so, you know, keeping my feet in the profession, still cool. trying to make money so we can live. Yeah. You know, when you're a part-timer, you're trying to get that recognition from the bosses, from the department heads, because yep. what's your ultimate goal is to get a job full-time, yep. right? So... You do all these different things in order to get that recognition. Then you get the recognition, you get the job, and now all the other things that you were doing that were just part of your day yeah. are now, Taking oh my God, seat, I have right? to do them yeah. too. It's yeah. part of, it becomes part of your personal culture. That's right. yes. I'm overly helpful. I am here, you know, I'm doing lots of FaceTime. I'm doing lots of, you know, uh, extra work, essentially. Yeah. Right? And it's yeah. not always appropriate. It's not always helpful to the institution, to yourself especially, and in, in many ways to the profession, right? Like, cops don't do this. Firefighters, they hang up their hat and they go home. Yep. So think even in terms of just lacing technology in there. Mm. The way we communicate emails, <laughs> text messages, like we integrated Slack into yep, our department. Slack channels, um, Discord too. When you're reading something, and this goes in your, your normal life too, when you read that email, you read it. Now, when I read an email or a text and it's coming from one of my bosses, I'm like, I'm reading it with an angry tone because that's just the way my brain works, right? You know, I get a text from my boss, we need to discuss, blah, 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 and I instantly, my brain goes to, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. When really, that's not the case. So, yeah. there's a, a, at least for me, there's a certain mindset mm-hmm. that if I'm getting an email or a text from my boss, I better... I should. I probably did something wrong. You'd like to think that. So, you, you know, again, we've been a cultured in that way. So one thing, I don't know if it's going to be helpful to people, but one thing I say in emails when they're off hours, quick note, like, colon, good news. Or quick note, you know, this is great. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll like do that, that specifically because it triggers that. It's a different trigger for them. They go, that's oh, a this is a for somebody, right? I mean, that's it just... That's the tone, yeah. There's yeah, quick tips and stuff like that, but, like, you really... Like, I'm... What am I, 53? I've had a whole career of being on the other end of it, and now I know, well, I know what I don't want to do, and I know what I don't want my people to go through, but it's a, it's a switch that's not always... Um, the easiest to throw. You know, it's very intentional. Yeah. So, you guys, I know you need support, and without being over, 
um, oversharing or like asking too many questions. Like, hey, dude, what can I do for you? And you know, just being the the person for management anyway, being the person that that is needed. You know, that's my role. But so many librarians do that for their patrons. For, you know, they, they know these people, and they're like, well, I know Mrs. X is having a tough day today because she's showing these behaviors, and this is what happened last time. And so everything is like, it's everything everywhere all at once. And yes, it absolutely gets to be too much with patron workload, your own workload, and the mental load coming from colleagues, staff. I think that's an expectation that's been kind of driven through the pandemic. Yeah. You know, everybody who had to work from home, respond immediately to things, yep. get back, and their home became their job, and their right. job became their home. And now that, that balance is no longer, you know, when you go home, you're still answering text, you're still yep. answering emails, you're still responding to work, or you're thinking about it. And yep. that, that's a big toll on mental health yeah, as well. Absolutely. Right? I'm looking at one of my former colleagues over there. Yeah. I remember it was like a Sunday at 11 o'clock at night on a holiday weekend, and somebody just, we all had the emails being sent to our work emails and for some reason she just picked it up and by it was like 45 seconds later that this person had access to their it was like you know ancestry.com or something like that and all of us on the admin side were like all right whoa never heard boo from the patron they never realized oh this is kind of a a little bit of work, you know, to turn something on. It's not a yeah. normal thing. So right. the, the slowest, I'm sorry, the fastest you've ever gotten service on something is now the slowest you will ever accept. And there's that that expectation. Mm -hmm. Okay, they did it within 45 seconds. Yeah. So I'm going to get that every single time now. And when seconds. I don't, when, it, when it's a minute and 30 seconds, yeah. I'm going to be upset. Yeah, and the first selectman or whoever, the mayor, is going to hear about it. It's right. absurd. And, and in terms of, think about this in terms of stress, too. We all have our regulars, right? So you're at the reference desk or you're at the service desk, wherever department you work in, and you see that patron <laughs> walk in. We all have that patron. It's Chris. It's, it's Chris. It's, it's always Chris. It's Chris. It's Sometimes always Chris. Bob, but usually Chris. Usually, and it's usually Chris's fault for everything. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, you know, think about the stress of, because we're dealing with it right now with, mm -hmm. a, with a couple of people. Yeah. And... You see, all you do is you see them coming, and everybody is like, "Don't make eye contact." Here they come. Yep. Maybe, maybe they're going to go someplace else. Maybe they're going to another desk, and you know they're coming, they're right making a you. beeline for your department yep. because they are going to either do the backhanded compliment, "Your department is great," but, but or they're going to come in and plop themselves down and say, "Okay, I'm here. Serve me." Yeah. When you know there's things in place like appointments. Yep. Or call ahead and they just refuse to acknowledge that because they're there it's almost that entitlement yeah the sense that of entitlement can be bad because librarians are really good at serving the public but we're also good at, at really in giving them license to be entitled yes yeah and that I mean in some ways that is a change that is good in the profession I am very very old um, you got like old molds, you got dirt, and then you got like molten magma, and I'm older than that, right? <laughs> so when I started out in the profession, it was really a different um, model. It was the humble patron approaches the like pulpit of the reference desk and submits their form, and they hopefully have done it correctly. And I saw librarians like rip up their little form and be like, no, try again. And like it's the completely wrong attitude. It's it's. Just, it makes me squicked out to even think about it. 
But we've the pendulum has now swung maybe a little too much the other way. Like, you know what? This is a big question that you've asked, or this is going to require some deep research or something that's um, going to have to be negotiated. But again, our, our librarian culture is service quick with a smile, right? Like, and you can't do a five-course meal on, on fast food. And you can't take back that service. So once you start yeah. providing that service, like you said, we that's provided it during the pandemic. That's what they're going to expect every time. Every so time. even if you back them up and say, well, that's going to take me a while, they're not going to accept yeah, it. No. Yeah. It's, it's the, the complaints start coming in. Yeah. Wow. But, right. but yeah. last week, you did it that way. Or if yeah. you have a turnover in staff. Yep. Well, the old version of your staff yeah. understood seniors. Yeah. Debbie didn't do These it like kids yeah. don't know what seniors need. Yeah. Yeah. It happens no. a lot. And, and think about that, too. So you're a new department head, right? And you're jumping into this with all the, for lack of a better way to describe it, all the piss and vinegar yeah, yeah. that you know, you're bringing to this. Because, oh, my God, I just got made, and I'm going to be very New York for a minute, a librarian three, which is the department yeah. in civil service. Like, I'm a three now. This is great. This is what I've worked my whole career for. And then the first week, you get smacked down yeah. so hard. You, you go home, and you don't want to eat. You just want to crawl in the bed and say, oh, what did I do? They said being a three was supposed to be great. Yeah. Sure, be a three. It's awesome. And now... Come join the threes. Yeah. And now you're dealing with this every day. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, every profession has this, right? Yes. Like, you're in the military, and this is what it is. Or you're in the service industry, and this is what it is. Um, but I do think the profession has a, a duty to address one's own, you know, mental state, mental health, um, just, you know, the... the the vicissitudes of life. Sure, it's all you know. It's easy to say, "Oh, yeah, I had a you know a, a, a bad interaction with somebody," but sometimes that has ramifications that go even beyond that that one day. So, you know, there are there are actual customer service interactions that can get into professional grade um, conversations between like bosses and and underlings and, and whatnot, and it's just. You know, so much is dependent on interpersonal relations that are completely out of your control. You know, one thing that I think is really important, too, because now that I'm a department head, I try to... Oh, wait, you're a three? I'm a three. No, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. It's one of those things. So, so two things have happened. One thing is now the, the guys who I work with, they talk amongst themselves, and then they come to me with, we have an idea. I'm like, dude, just... Pull me into the meeting. Let's all sit and chat about this. But one thing that I'm, I'm super hyper vigilant on is nobody gets in trouble unless, like, you killed somebody. Yeah, and even then, it. we'll figure out how to get rid of the yeah, blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of, like, nobody's going to get in trouble. Let's figure out how we're going to do whatever we're going to do. If there's an obstacle or an impediment or a situation that requires something for me to, to, have, to have to do, you know, I'm going to do it in the most judicious way possible. Because whatever you, if you made a mistake, and we all make mistakes, if that happened, it's not the end of the world. It's not career ending. You know, let's figure out how to make this better. So I'm always preaching. So we preach the culture of yes in our library for patrons. And I preach that in my department where the guys and the ladies too, we have a couple ladies in the department. uh, But it's a very, it's ironic too in the library, we're a very male heavy department. Mm You know, what's going on? Like, you need a day off. Not a problem. I'm sure we can find coverage. It's very rare that I say no to them. 
even when it's going to put me at a specific disadvantage, where now I have to go out into the service desk and yep. work the service desk the entire day. Right. So now we're talking about the same thing. Right. Right. Exactly. So I want my guys to not have the stress of, Chris sent me a text today, uh-oh. I never want that to be the reaction. But I also don't want it to be the other way. It's like, oh, yeah, Chris sent me a text. Yeah, big whoop. Yeah, exactly. It so just gets ignored. It's, it's hard. And, and as a supervisor, there's a certain amount of stress that goes along with that, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, because absolutely. where do you find that balance? And then you have to balance that against your boss, the director and assistant director, to say, you know, it's not running interference for your, for your people, but it's telling them exactly what's happening in a way that's kind of like emotion neutral. Yeah, absolutely. So then they can make a, a decision if I'm coming to them with a, a certain situation yeah. that they can make a level-headed decision and not say, ugh, that guy did that again. Yeah, right. It's more like, this happened, it's not a problem, but this circumstance happened, here are the facts. Yeah. And then I need your help to make a decision on what to do next. Or this this maybe has to go before the board or, yeah. or something like that. We need so, some budgetary help or whatever it is. Right, we exactly. Need some yeah. Or maybe somebody didn't fill out their timesheet properly and you have to navigate that mm-hmm. because now what happened, you didn't get enough hours or you worked too many hours. You know, There's so many different things in, in yeah. and not just the library world, just in the business world in general yeah. that you, know, you have have to navigate being a supervisor. So there's a certain amount of stress being in that mid-range yeah, supervisory level. Middle management is very difficult. It, you know, there's comedy gold, but also, man, you, you're just getting it from both sides. Some days, not so much, but other days, man, it can just decimate you. And the technology just, we stopped communicating help. with people. Yeah. So right. we communicate now through email, through cell phones, through text message. We stopped, like, just talking to people and realizing that they're human and not a machine and not... Assimilated if, during the pandemic, you know. Yeah. If I could talk to you guys over email, over chat, and text, I would because I don't, you know, I don't like you guys. But <laughs> I, I will if I am forced to. There are some people you have to talk to it's in just, person. You, know, you gotta go do it. One of the things you have to do, yeah. even though you don't want to. Yeah, yeah like a command performance. No, it can be very <laughs> difficult. Scott did tell us he'd be funny, so that's good. Hey, it's. But wait, I don't think he's being funny. I think he's serious. You think he's here? Yeah. You'll never know. Should we leave? He's a hard guy to read. Yeah. Should we pack up? I don't know. Do I have an applause <laughs> button or a, a boo button on my, my board here? But yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. And what's really interesting, and we've interviewed people local in New York, around the country, and in other countries. The thing that Bob and I find most amazing is we all are doing exactly the same job. Yep. And we're approaching things, even though the way we get from point A to point B is different, we all have an approach to doing the same thing. The patrons to come into a library in Sydney, Australia, in New Zealand, in Norway, in the UK, or here in the United States, Connecticut, New York, California, Texas, we're all doing the same thing. And what, what fascinates me is not only just that, you know, they have the same services we do, it's Libby, Overdrive, Hoopla, all that stuff. It's that we all, no matter where we are, no matter what language we speak, we have this, for lack of a better way to describe it, it's like a bond, where if I say to anybody in this room yes. That's, yes. that's a Connecticut librarian, have you ever had an experience X, Y, Z, and everybody's hands is going to go up? Say, so of course we have. And so what's really cool about, especially doing a podcast like this, is when we speak to people, there's that initial relatability. So I think the stress levels and things we have to deal with are the same, too. It may be different. Like, you may be a municipal library. You may be an association library. Like, Bob, you're an association library. And I'm in New York, what's called the school district library. So we all have 
budgetary issues, but like Scott J Jarzenbeck was just here before, and he was telling me like, I'm a municipal library, and I get my budget handed to me. And before that, he was at the Albany Public Library where he had to build it out himself and then pitch it to the city council. So what's really, and we were talking with, with Scott from Derby, talking about what, what goes on with Derby. And it really is interesting how it's a different flavor of the same ice cream. Right. But there's that same stress level there. It's just it comes at you with different directions. Right. It is important, I have found, to find folks who have been successful at XYZ and learn from their approaches. There's a lot of people in the room, actually, who have been really good at things, but you can also learn from just what not to do as well. We've all been there, too, like, well. It's like when you're a parent of a... When you're not a parent yet... And you're like, oh, well, my kid will never do that. Oh, I guarantee your kid is going to do that. Yeah, 10 but, times, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll be worse than the kid oh, you're criticizing. Much, much worse, yeah. yeah. You're going to get the look. Um, but the same goes for, um, geez, you know, I worked for a supervisor once that was just, you know, terrible at this or that or the other thing. Or it was always a gotcha culture or whatever. I'll never do that. And then I have found myself, I can slip into that. But it's, it's to a certain extent, there's... There's tools in the toolbox, right? And it takes a while to develop those tools. So what your library and administration is saying to you when they're making you a three is, okay, this is good. Here's some tools. Develop your own tools. It's going to take you some time, but we believe in you. So when those messages get mixed, that's when it's the most stressful, I think, for middle managers. So to keep what you were saying, Chris... To keep a consistency is very important for the culture of a library. You don't want to be random. You want to be incredibly consistent with messaging, with approaches to things, treating everybody maybe not equal, but you know, with a with a degree of uh, fairness that is appropriate. Right? Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, unless it's me, and you can just disrespect me. Can, it doesn't matter. Will. It doesn't matter at all. Oh, you mean when you mean disrespect and Bob, I'm looking at you. You mean Nick Tanzi? Nick, the way, the way uh, Nick and I uh, go back and forth yes, with each other. That's funny. But um, so yeah, I mean, I think, and I think the other thing that's important is deliberateness. You know, it's very easy to manage emotionally and not be deliberate about the way you do oh, things. Yeah. Maybe you're being deliberate yeah, about yeah. the fairness in the department sure. between everybody yeah. and what the job duties are. And you have to constantly say, okay, you can't just say, are you kidding me? You did that again? Yeah. You have to stop, take that breath, and say, okay, what did he do? And you have to do this all within a second. Mm -hmm. What did he do? How does this hurt? Do you have any exposure to the library or anything? If it doesn't, then this is just a, this is a trip. On a curve, that's all this is. Yeah. It's so, all the time. Leading on that, Doug, do you have any idea? I mean, for folks that are in middle management or even just you know employees working their way up, uh, if you're working in a gotcha culture or you're yeah. working in a, in a more toxic environment yes. than, than they'd like, how do they go about finding assistance or help to? Well, I mean, you can always do the. I don't know. What I used to do was just find the birds of a feather, but that can very quickly devolve, right, into person X is a terrible supervisor. This place sucks. You know, blah, 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 right? So it's almost impossible. Like, cultural change and change management is possible if you're not at the top or not a keynote person, a keystone person. Um, it, but it's, it is very, very difficult, you know, to, to affect that change from the back or from below. Is it possible? Yes. But it takes a lot of um, 
it, it takes a lot of effort to not care so much what happens, right? Like once you acknowledge, oh, I'm in a bad culture, things are going to happen and to not take it so personally. And, you know, a lot of us work really, really hard and craft our work in such a way that um, there's some true benefit to people. And to have someone then, you know, dismiss that or poop on that or something, that is not the most, you know, comfortable feeling. What can you learn other than, yes, get me the heck out of here? Right. Well, we've but, seen that happen, too. Good yeah. places lose good people because they just get tired of working in an environment like that. Yeah. No, exactly. Right. It's uh, difficult. I've never been anywhere where there's been any kind of, like, intervention or, you know, um, I mean, it, from time to time, too, you'll find the middle manager being undermined by... Uh, both above and below and that you know for the middle manager it's very um, uncomfortable maybe that is the, the avenue that has to happen but one would hope that the level above would say look we like you this isn't exactly working out we're going to change this that, and the other if you thought about this or that but um, clarity of communication and again it comes back to intentionality and trying to remove the very personal aspects of the job, but knowing that the job is very personal and that you bring a lot of personality and good intentions, hopefully, into the work. Sure, there are bad librarians out there or librarians who just don't care anymore. I'm one. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible librarian and I don't care about anything. I think he's serious. Yeah. It's okay. This is my good friend Mara from uh, Bloomfield. Chris is just having a side conversation. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mara's a wonderful person. She like she's just who I think of as she's like delightful. She's a delightful person to work with. Every time you see her, right? She's Every got, time yeah. she lights up. You know, I know she probably has her regulars at her job, and she's just like, what a great, like she's a great person, and that helps her be a great librarian, right? There's but there's a difference. There are great librarians that I have known that are jerky or. They don't have any personality. Right, they, they, behind their yeah, they can index yeah. the heck out of something, but yeah. like, well, what good is that? That's you right, know what yeah. I mean? It's and that's the shift that I've seen in the profession over my career. You've had really deeply skilled people who can like I don't know, create a relational database or something. Sure. But like, big whoop. Who yeah. cares if you're not nice to the customer or the customer has no willingness to return, then you fail. And back in the day, like the tech people used to all be mean because I was a tech person yeah. 25 years ago. Yeah. And you had to use that person because he was the only one with the skill set. Now right. to go back and you forth. Can, now you can do better. You, yep. know, you can get no, somebody exactly that's right. nice that doesn't sit in the back office and just grump. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's a it's a good profession for that, but it's also not I don't want to say not normal, right? But like, it's not too terribly common. No, it's not. The the, the skill set that we bring, yeah. or that a good librarian brings, I should say. Not me. Has the right attitude, the right skill set, right approach. Yeah. Yeah. And think about too, because I think. Unless you like, and we've talked about this a hundred times, unless you're like one of those one percenters that wanted to be a librarian from the word go, and you graduate from college and you go directly to library school, this is a second career for 99% of us. So what I always find, and for the people who listen to this podcast, I apologize for repeating myself again, but we always bring that toolkit with us from our previous profession. And 90, I'm going to say, I'm going to generalize 90 to 95% of us feel like it's a breath of fresh air going into this profession, coming from the other profession we came from, because of the virtues of what libraries do. And you have to be a special kind of person to be a librarian. Like the mission-based stuff, you know, the more mission feel, 
Yeah. 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 And, and those, those esoteric pie in the sky kind of like principles of, oh, I just want to help people and... It you know. goes away like week two. Yeah. Right? Yeah, week but two. maybe a month. So what were you? Month. Were you yeah. like a backhoe digger? Like, what, 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 I wish what? it was something fun like no, that. No, he's got a great history. <laughs> Go ahead. Come on. No, I used to work um, in the legal field. Uh-huh. So I, my first firm was uh, in New York City. I worked there for six months and hated it. Mm-hmm. Then I worked in a medical malpractice defense firm in Nassau County. And the partner I worked for ran for Supreme Court, which is the trial court in New York. Okay, yeah. And he took me with him, and I worked there until 2002 after 9-11. And then I started working in libraries. See, but that probably gave you a really good indication of like the depth of what the work could be. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Whereas public libraries are more broad, but that was... the probably the deepest level and coming from coming from that field I always see things from a different point of view like if I'm walking into the building and I see the pavers are separated I'll go into my boss and say "Uh, you got to fix those pavers that's a tripping hazard right exactly and I know in my head it just everything falls into place okay somebody's going to slip they're going to fall they're going to file a complaint they're going to sue then we're going to have to go through the discovery there's going to be documents there's going to be this there's going to be that and then eventually something's going to happen we're going to settle the case settle (laughs) right so it took becoming a director before I realized everything that had to go into the B and G buildings and ground stuff of the building. Like every time I walk in from the parking lot now, I'm like, oh, the pavers are separated, or this the sidewalk is cracked, yeah, the curb is falling off. Oh, there's a bee, bees are getting in the building somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, right behind I you is somebody down. that's going to trip on it and file a complaint that yeah. you didn't, you let it go for 20 minutes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, the custodian tells you about it in an email, and now it's documented, right. and now you were put on notice, and, and you the didn't do anything right ticking, away. And that's it. Yep. yep. That's right. Yep. So, so my perspective is rather unique in that respect. Yeah. Most librarians, yeah. I was actually one from the get-go, not because I knew I wanted to be a librarian, but because I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. And somebody said, why don't you take some classes? And I became a librarian. So it's my, my only career. Back in 1932, right? Yeah. yeah. It was a little earlier <laughs> than that. Um, <laughs> I got him. I got him. But, I yeah, that he was, cracked. That was really good. He wasn't expecting that. was very that. good. Was good. Um, well played, sir. Um, but most of the people in the room, at least the ones that I know, are just like nice, happy people, and they found a way to make the bridge between some knowledge or some specialty and the patrons. Yep. Right? And it's it's a beautiful thing because and they bring it with them into yeah. their new career. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of performance art to reference work, or just dealing with the public in general. Yeah, the reference interview can be you have to meet people where they are, which is can be very difficult to, given where the the range of where people can be, which I've never been ceased to be amazed by like, oh, wow, that was really something, you know, like you're in the break room after going like, whoa. Um, But then to be able to like switch it on and off like really quickly, right? Like a person in deep, deep need with a, compared to a person who might be experiencing a mental health crisis to like a businessman who wants it yesterday. I worked in a law... um, I was a law librarian. I do not have a JD. But the justices would come in from time to time in their robes, and it was like... I need this case shepherdized now. Right. Uh, you remember, yeah. you worked with that, right? Yeah, I, I worked for a judge, One so... The top judges in the county. It would always be like... <laughs> the worst part for me was when they would call me, and again, this was a long time ago, statute of limitations is probably run. Um, they would call me for stock quotes. <laughs> because they were hiding from... Uh, and most of these judges are retired now. They would they would be hiding from the the trial calendar. So when the trial the trial uh, clerk would be calling, and say, "Do hey, we want to send you up a case?" Oh, the judge isn't here. And then 
keep you on the phone with me. Uh, can you check uh, what's Ingtomi trading at right now? So, but in, in that same breath too, talking about that, when the IT guys found out that I knew about computers, they were coming to me with overflow work. Yeah. So one thing that I think is actually kind of a cool thing, we switched from, and this is going way back, from CD-ROM towers with Lexus and Westlaw on uh -huh. them yeah. to actually having the subscription. So at the time we had a lightning fast ISDN line coming into oh, the building. Oh man, that is good. It was lightning. so that fast. That is so good. It was, the, it was the bee's knees. It's so sexy. I know, right? <laughs> that blue wire was yeah. like, wow. Yeah. And here I, and I said, well, we just got this and we don't know what, do you, can you show the judges how to use this? So I had to come up with a lesson plan. Yeah, like instructional technology, Work right? with judges, some of which were for in World War II, yeah. how to do the research online. So it, it sounds worse than it was because they obviously know how to do legal research. So it was showing them just how to do it differently. Yeah. So. And this is like one of the first times I actually taught in a professional capacity where I had to say to myself, okay, let me crawl into the mind of these judges who graduated from law school in the 50s and 60s, early 60s, and say, how are they going to think and how do I make the handouts with screen grabs? And we're talking about Windows 95 here. Uh, how to navigate this so they could take this back to their chambers and see it graphically so then they can do it and make them do it without them laughing at this 28-year-old who's telling them how to do something. So it really was a challenge, but in the same breath, it was great because I had individuals in the class that actually knew what they were doing. So they had a certain level of education that I was starting from. And then I could push forward and they would call me and say, hey, you're going to be proud of me. I shepherdized the case today. I'm like, wait, you're a Supreme Court justice and you're calling me because you were proud of yourself for shepherdizing a case. No, but doesn't that relate back to what we're talking about, the, the mental health stuff? Like yep. you, you get a, you know, it's like a little bonus, right? It's a little professional... Attaboy. Attaboy. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. These yep. are very important, right? And it's the job of all of us, It's the affirmation, levels, right? Yeah. Like, that, yeah. At all levels to say, that was good. Like when my staff come to me and they say, that was really good on this. Thanks for doing it. I go, oh, great. Thank you. Because oftentimes I'm like, ah, I don't know what to do. What do I say? So I, you know, make up something nice. And everybody generally <laughs> kind of responds well to that. That's like Don Rickles used to say, he annoyed me. I gave him a cookie and he went away. Yeah, that's it. That's great. A man that will uh, live in infamy. Yes. Oh, Don my Rickles. God, Don Rickles. Funniest man on the planet. So it really is interesting, though, talking about like that, that experience that I had, to get the affirmation that not only I did the job and I got through the job, is that somebody, maybe one person, got something out of it. And that gives you a little bit of a high, right. you know, an emotional high. Right. We're a helping profession. That's yeah. what we do. We and that's what we do at the we reference desk or our service desk. Yeah. That's what we do. And at least once a day... If I'm out on the floor, if I help somebody and you really see a smile, yeah. you know, I, I didn't know you did this, this is amazing, and then I give them my, my spiel about the makerspace and come back and see us and I do my, my dog and pony show, but, you know, it, the PR end of it. You know, you, go, you walk away from it and go, that's why I'm in the profession. It's not because I want to do this budget thing. It's yeah. not because I want to figure out this personnel problem. This is why I'm here, and this is what I love to do. And it's really, it, it, it's a double-edged sword, because now that you're middle management, you have to do all this other stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, all, all the admin. And then, especially for me, managing the makerspace, I touch the machines less and less mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. And 
it's the price for being promoted and success and all that other stuff. Hey, man, you're a three. Come it's on. A, well, it's also the sign, <laughs> of, a good, He's gonna hang his it's sign of a good leader, too. You know, if you, were, if you were a bad leader, you'd be touching them every day. It's true. You know, you're a good leader. You're, you're, you're involved in your employees' education and, and showing them how to do it. And then they can kind of take over stuff that leaves you to do your stuff. And, and do it much better. Yeah. And do it maybe much better. Well, yeah. their synapses are better than mine at this point. So. Right. Well, you're older. So anybody. Anybody's synapses. Are better than Chris's? Yeah. Is that yeah, that's, that's pretty much true. I mean, I can see them working. It's that, yeah. Or not working. Bioluminescence not. Can yeah, you got to put the crank in the back of the head to turn it to, <laughs> yeah. to make them start working again. You know, Doug, we really appreciate you coming it's on and chatting with us. And yeah, this was actually fun. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, I don't know what to do. These yeah. guys seem like they're boring, and they're from the other side of the sound. Yeah, that's actually still true. Exactly like that, okay. too, just yeah. like you did it. Well, Doug, thanks so much for coming on, and hopefully we can have you on again. Sure. Obviously, you know, maybe if you're here tomorrow or... I am. And we I'm can, here all week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we can maybe even uh, have a separate episode just with you. Sure. Yeah. You know, and we do it over Zoom or whatever. Shoot the bull? Absolutely. Why I'd love to. In a quieter location? Maybe. Yes. I don't know. It's kind of like... Uh, Is it nice white noise now? Yeah, but exactly. So, right? so, what are you saying? We're putting people to sleep? <laughs> ah, we did something. All right, so we'll be back in just a moment with another segment.